You want to just get right into it? Let's go for it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Basic Back to Basic Breath podcast. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, here today with your other co-host, Shane. Hey, Shane. Today, we're going to scratch the surface into the vast world of gut health, sleep, and stress. Shane is going to tell us a little bit about her story, her gut health journey, what she does to manage her gut health, and how sleep can really affect our gut health. Uh, Thanks so much for being here, Shane. Let's get right into it. (laughs) (laughs) Chance is like, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So before we really get into your story, gut health is such a hot topic nowadays. I feel like I'm constantly seeing products about fixing your gut health and Instagram reels about five ways to manage your gut health. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit more about specifically what gut health issues you struggle with and a little bit about the symptoms you experienced when you first noticed something wasn't right? Start of my gut health issues It's pretty interesting because when I really sit down and think about it, I kind of started having gut health issues in high school. I don't think they got extreme enough until college for me to actually need to start paying attention because it was interfering so much with my life. But I would feel like it really goes back to high school. I was a competitive swimmer and I had like really inflamed rotator cuff. So at the time, my doctor had me taking ibuprofen like three times a day, every day. This is, I know, this is crazy. If you don't know already, taking over-the-counter NSAIDs like Advil, ibuprofen, any sort of pain reliever, especially at such a high rate and dosage that I was taking, especially at such a young age, is just bound to lead to some form of adverse effects. I forget the exact number, but when we learn in our holistic and our in our nutrition courses, you learn about adverse effects, adverse side effects from taking medicine. It's like a gigantic percentage of the reason why people are going into the hospital each year. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. But so I had what I was told was a stomach ulcer. I ha- started having all this really intense pain. And at first I was like, am I eating something weird? Is, do I have some allergy I'm not aware of? And um, we went to get it checked out. And the doctor told me, like, you have a stomach ulcer. Took some medicine for that to heal it back up. Had to, like, cut out some things from my diet while it was healing. And then I stopped taking ibuprofen. Shortly after that, I stopped swimming altogether. So I feel like my gut problems were alleviated for a bit. And then when I got to college, that's when everything went super south. As we know, if you've been to college, you're just really the ages of 18 to 21 for anyone, no matter what you're doing, are super stressful time where growing up, we're going through so many different changes. There's a lot of stress. And I had a lot of also just family issues, a lot going on with my emotional state that I didn't understand. I was coping with no longer being an athlete and kind of expecting more of myself than I felt I was doing in college. And yeah, so there was a lot, like emotionally, there was a lot going on when I got to college. And I also started partying 
I was not getting good sleep. I was not coping with my stress at all. I was working out way less because I was finally not an athlete. So I definitely, my freshman year of college really was a huge onset of these gut issues I was having anywhere ranging from like mild bloating to I can't keep anything down. I'm like in so much pain. I need to go to the hospital. So that kind of went on for all of freshman year. At the end of freshman year, I was like, I really need to start to figure this out. So that began kind of the long journey of trying to figure out what was going on, why I was having all this pain, why like I could no longer tolerate strenuous exercise or some foods that I never had issue with before. And my original diagnosis was, well, actually, I should say for a while, there were no answers at all. And just going to like the general doctor. Um, finally, there was a doctor that said I should see a specialist. So I did that. I saw a GI specialist. And they wanted to run a bunch of tests. But essentially, before I even did any of those tests, said that I likely had uh, irritable bowel disease or um, which they, and we'll get into that later, but basically they thought I had a stress induced uh, bowel disorder. So this doctor said it was pretty common for people my age because we we're going through so much stress and don't necessarily have the best coping mechanisms yet that no matter what, as like, as I age, the symptoms will get better, which was kind of the first doctor that gave me hope. And I was like, okay, cool. So what I'm hearing, because I'm like so sarcastic, I'm like, basically what I'm hearing is I'm a head case to the point of which I've made myself (laughs) physically ill. And I need to figure that out because there was a lot going on with my family and my Mm -hmm. own personal life and a lot of unprocessed trauma and then the stress of college. So that continued on. They wanted to put me on like a lot of different pills and this pill is going to interfere with your birth control. So then we're going to have to monitor your liver and (laughs) that whole story. And it it got to the point which I was so overwhelmed and was like, how is putting more medicine into my gut going to make it it better? It just Mm -hmm. didn't feel right to me anymore. I was Mm -hmm. done with it. I started doing my yoga teacher training um, and I was starting to find relief from natural remedies like just breath work learning how to meditate uh improving my sleep uh making sure I had a good nighttime routine so I started taking my health in general more seriously and said like screw it I totally (laughs) ditched western medicine I like stopped answering the doctors stopped going to them and was like I'm gonna do this on my own and so long story short I went through like years of hospital visits and horrible, horrible experiences, not really being able to eat, sleep, or enjoy myself. My friends will say like, oh, like sophomore and junior year, Shane was so boring because (laughs) I couldn't do anything without getting sick and Mm -hmm. it was horrible. So when I finally uh, stopped trying to listen to what I felt like I should have listened to, which was like the Western medicine and just kind of did what my gut was telling me. No pun intended there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Things started to get better, but I would say just to summarize and not continue on this long ass story, (laughs) 
um, my symptoms started in high school, then were kind of at bay until I got to college. And it was definitely a series of really intense traumas and events going on in my personal life that I can get more into for sure. But just since we're starting out, that led to this onset of such bad, I was really in fight or flight mode, like chronically, I was chronically stressed, chronically, I didn't trust any part of my body, I had little self confidence, I just was a really lost person. And wasn't prioritizing things like good food, good sleep, Mm -hmm. and um, good positive coping mechanisms that were really what I needed at the time to help me get through it. Instead, I was, you know, partying, staying up all night, cramming for exams, and for a while just being pumped medicine from doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I think one crazy thing is when you get into this field and you start having these conversations with people who now are living this holistic lifestyle where the big focus is on good quality sleep, good quality food, good quality movement. We Mm. all have these like horrific stories (laughs) with like doctors and, you know, being pumped medicine. And I spoke a lot about this in last week's episode quick plug, if you haven't checked that out, go check out that episode to hear my story about endometriosis. But same thing, every time I went to the doctor saying, hey, I'm in so much pain, I physically can't walk around, they would just say, hey, take some more ibuprofen, you'll be good to go. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such an interesting thing that we're starting to learn a lot more of now. And it's Mm -hmm. becoming a lot more normalized now that we have you know, holistic wellness being a little bit more adopted into our society. We're seeing it now, but I think it's just, it's so insane thinking back to how many years we spent basically fighting our doctors to Mm -hmm. give us these tools when all we needed was to get more sunshine, do Mm -hmm. diaphragmatic breathing, like move our bodies in really holistic, mindful ways. And it's, it's wild to me that a lot of us think that the answer is taking more medicine and adding more things when reality it's, it's just about looking at the quality of what you're currently doing. So are Mm -hmm. you getting enough sleep? Are you coping and managing your stress? Are you doing these little things that can really add up into, you know, stomach ulcers and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So Yeah, I think it's just so wild that we all have not the same story, of course, but some similar trajectory where we were screwed over by the Western medicine and and here we are. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know that I can relate to that story. I'm sure so many of our listeners can absolutely relate. But I heard you mention a term that I wanted to kind of jump back to was irritable bowel disease. So I know um, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome is more popular or, you know, more relative in today's society. So can you tell us a little bit more about IBS, irritable bowel syndrome versus irritable bowel disease and how that was really relevant to kind of your story and what you were struggling with personally? Absolutely. So IBS and something I didn't know for like a while was the difference between IBS and IBD or even I more commonly heard about IBS. And so it is, I think, important to know the difference because honestly, sometimes people are saying they have IBS when they actually do have IBD. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we'll jump right in. IBS affects 
your lower GI area, your small intestine, large intestine, and your colon. So people with IBS can experience chronic diarrhea, constipation, just trouble with bowel movement. And in some cases, treatments could include antibiotics, diet changes, medication, and many IBS patients have also suffered without any treatment because they've been told the condition is in their heads. Mm -hmm. This is something that I definitely experienced, was experiencing kind of the effects of mental stress and physical stress, but it it was so much more emotional and um, somatic than like a physical injury or like you have this sickness, so that's why you can't eat. Mm -hmm. And that's why I experienced for the first year or so just like confusion. Everyone was like, your CAT scans and x-rays and all the tests, all of your blood work is coming back normal. So like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you just need to like calm. I don't know. Like there were no answers because the doctors couldn't, there was just nothing. They weren't getting anything back from their tests. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely since then and now is more talked about. And I think doctors are definitely learning the power and effects that anxiety, trauma, and uh, just emotional, I guess, not learning how to cope with your emotions or process emotions, how those things can affect you. We know so much more now about the gut-brain axis and how they're connected. So although many patients have suffered without treatment, I definitely think we're trending in the right direction there. Mm -hmm. So IBD... Um, irritable bowel disease causes inflammation of the intestines. So it's a term for a broad spectrum of diseases, uh, but Crohn's disease and ulcerative ulcerative colitis are the most common that you see. So for many patients, IBD is genetic, but there is no single gene that has been found to cause IBD. Mm. And how severe the disease is, depends on a combination of things involving genetic abnormalities and the effects of any number of microbes of the immune system. So uh, IBD is just a little more, I guess, complex than IBS. Like we said, IBS causes issues with bowel movement. So a lot of times IBS is super treatable and connected to a variety of things that often involve our lifestyle choices. So that's why it's like you said, like we talked about, if you get control over your lifestyle choices, a lot of times these symptoms will alleviate without having to necessarily be medicated for the rest of your life or to follow a specific diet or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas IBD is caused by or causes an entire inflammation of your intestines, um, but it also does cause symptoms like trouble with bowel movement altogether. Other symptoms, though, include some abdominal cramping, bloody stool, blocked bowels, fever, loss of body fluids, loss of appetite, weight loss, and potentially anemia. So diagnosing IBD is also very complex and can take months Uh, You have to go through a patient's medical and familial history, 
there's a physical exam, laboratory tests, and a variety of procedures that have to be done as well. So, and then within that, there are different forms of IBD that need to be uh, looked at for each individual to optimize each patient's treatments. IBD is also a chronic condition. So similar to IBS in that maybe you have IBS forever, but it's a, it can be very manageable to the point in which your symptoms are not impairing your daily form of life, like your quality of life, things like that. IBD can typically be a bit more complicated to kind of narrowed down similar to the endometriosis episode. Again, if you mm. check that out, you really have to go through a somewhat grueling, unfortunately, process to finally figure out a way to manage your symptoms of the disease so that you kind of have the best quality of life. Many patients need to be on antibiotics, anti-diarrheal um, drugs, lifestyle changes, and sometimes surgery. So the thing that I want to tie back into my story here is that I was told I had IBD. My symptoms were so severe, the pain I was experiencing and the frequency I was experiencing this pain that they thought it was when we finally got to um, actually having something wrong and not just being like, I don't know what the hell's going on. They thought it was IBD because of the severity and how inflamed I was mm -hmm. all over the place. I would say that, um, IBS is way closer to what I was experiencing than IBD. And I say that because of my ability to live without any really symptoms today. Mm -hmm. uh, I also would argue that, in terms of overall, like I wouldn't even necessarily feel the need to say I have IBS or had it because I genuinely was just so dysregulated, my nervous system, my body, that I feel like a better word for what I was experiencing was like extreme trauma <laughs> and like, yeah, just total disconnection from my self. And I need really, for me, it was a lot more of a mental journey than any kind of physical journey because today I really can eat whatever I want. Not that I should, but I can without having any flare-ups or bloating or things like that. But I hope that kind of brings some clarity between the two. These two things can be so complicated. And I think with anything going on internally, it always is very complicated because there's so many moving parts and there's so many things that can affect how we're feeling internally. And I wanted to kind of jump off of your mentioning that it really was an emotional and mental journey for you. So now that we have more research and more science to back up this idea that the gut really kind of works as the second brain, and if we're not mentally in a right place, then that can manifest as these insane gut health issues. So tell me a little bit about your experience after you figured out what was actually wrong. How did you you know, cope with it, knowing that it was something that it was more of a mental process for you to go through. What did that look like for you? And how did you allow yourself to reach the other side to where you're able to, you know, I know you and you love your food and you're able to <laughs> kind of eat and drink whatever you want. So tell us how you yeah. kind of reached this point of, you know, freedom in, in your journey. I, I would start, I guess I'll start at like my low point, which was I was drinking 
what what are they called? Insurers, which is like I am not an old person that like <laughs> cannot get down solid food. <laughs> but I was literally drinking like just consuming like liquids because I honestly was so scared to eat because I was so scared to have a bad reaction and I was so scared to then have to go fall fall to the hospital, the whole thing. So which further proves like how much anxiety and fear and distrust of my body was, I was experiencing at this low point when I started my yoga teacher training junior year in college. And that was also kind of around when I was like, all right, I'm done with the medicine. I'm going to try and do this on my own. I kind of, it kind of, I would say that it started happening without me realizing at first. So Mm. I was going to yoga teacher training. I was learning all of these different uh, breathing practices. I was learning about um, Buddhism and yoga practices and the philosophy of yoga. And just, I was moving my body with my breath and my mind in a way I never had before. So I think at first the change started happening without me even understanding that this change was about to happen. And I started noticing that I was just feeling better. I was feeling lighter. I was sleeping better. I hadn't had any flare-ups. So like my flare-ups were happening less frequently and I finally started noticing, like, what am I doing different? The only thing I'm doing differently is the yoga teacher training. And so, you know, I really, I truly was at such a low point right before that. Like, I had been in the hospital in so much pain, and I had to have, like, I remember there was one time I was there, and the doctors were literally like, we can't give her anything to help with this pain because, like, her heart is so weak. Like, it could stop her heart like it was Mm -hmm. like insane how sick I was and all because like I was not holding space to take care of my mental health I think also just being totally burnt out from high school and swimming and overworked and run down and then I had had a series of traumatic events (laughs) took place like right before I left home for the first time in college so just all of these things together Finally, I held space for them in my yoga teacher training to release so much and then to learn about the body and the breath. Uh, It was super, super powerful. So that was kind of what gave me hope and what made me believe that I had the power and the ability to heal myself without Mm -hmm. medicine. And that is also definitely when I started to do a deeper dive into mental health, into anxiety, and just kind of learning about trauma as well. After my yoga teacher training, I did a trauma-informed yoga teacher training because I wanted to learn even more about how trauma and our breath affects the nervous system and how we hold these things in our bodies and we need to release them through movement and healing and meditation and breath. Uh, So I feel like... I won't, I won't say I got lucky, but it was like more so I would call it like divine timing that I started doing this yoga training. I remember I was also in like my first relationship and I was just like, I had had enough. Like I gained like 20 pounds. I was 
no, yeah, no fun. I couldn't do anything fun. I was just like, I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good girlfriend. I'm not a good daughter. Like I'm not a good student. Like I'm just not feeling like I'm showing up as the woman that I know I can be and I'm Mm -hmm. done with it. And I remember I was, it was the summer between sophomore and junior year. I was started getting into my handstands. That's when I first made my Instagram Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, like handstands. And then I found some yogis, some big yoga accounts that I followed. And I was like, I'm just going to do this yoga teacher training. And I had never taken a yoga class when I got to the first day, they were like, where are you two? And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Everyone like got into the same pose. I was like, I just entered a cult. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> You're then, like, where am I? <laughs> yeah, it was insane, but I stuck with it and it was life changing. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad that I randomly, I guess I was really just, I'd hit rock bottom. And so it was the start of digging myself out of that wanting more for myself and then you know, deciding I'm finally going to do something about it. I think that's so amazing that you had that awareness at that point where you're like, I just cannot take this anymore. I cannot take how I'm showing up for not just myself, but those around me. And I think like your story is such a testament that it really just can take one decision to change your Mm -hmm. whole entire life. You know, you found this random teacher training and it's brought you to this point now where we're able to, you're able to share your story and, and help others. And I just think that's so incredible. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to jump a little bit to kind of a different topic, but ties in here with the gut health. Um, now that we know a little bit more about how, you know, IBD and IBS manifests, we know that meditation, breath work, breathing, all these things can really help and stress can really help deteriorate the gut health. How Mm -hmm. does sleep tie into it? Because I think, we know at this point that stress management is a huge factor into our health and, and well-being. Mm-hmm. But I also think that sleep is kind of like, you know, the the underrated kind of factor that plays in that not many people pay a lot of attention to. So tell me a little bit more, and we can, you know, discuss this, but how sleep can really affect our gut health. And tell me a little bit about how your sleeping patterns, you know, mainly in college when we're partying and things like that can really go into play with allowing the gut health to deteriorate to the level that it did for you. For sure. So absolutely sleep, stress, gut health, nutrition, these things are so interconnected. Uh, When we work with our clients, a lot of the times those are three things that we always go through. It's not just your exercise. Oftentimes exercise is the easiest part once you get started, like just go to your workout. Where it really gets complicated is hammering down your sleep, how you're dealing with your stress, how are you taking care of your gut, which also means how are you taking care of your brain and therefore, you know, like you said, your ability to show up for not only yourself but your coworkers, your partners, your family, your friends, etc. So I, from a very young age, like I struggled with sleep when I was in, I can remember being in high school and like going nights where I just didn't sleep at all. Freshman year, when I was still swimming, I would be up at 4am to swim before school. And so some of those nights, yeah, I would just not sleep. I would be up wow. all night racing thoughts, like like, I don't know. I just really struggled with, um, 
anxious, intrusive thoughts. And that's going to be an episode for another time talking more about anxiety and OCD. But I had no idea why I couldn't shut off thoughts and things like that. I just knew that I struggled with it. Something Mm -hmm. that I definitely slept better in the start of college, even when my health was not great, probably just because I was so freaking tired. Mm -hmm. But I didn't truly start to really care for and respect my sleep routine until again, like that transformation through yoga and learning about the importance of sleep. But just a couple of ways that sleep and stress can affect your gut. In terms of our um, circadian rhythm, our ability to recover our muscles, for our food to digest, for our liver to uh, detox and to do its job, we need high quality sleep. And so not just getting sleep, but getting deep sleep, moving through REM cycles, getting the proper amount of hours and doing that consistently over and over again. When we are not sleeping, honestly, it can get really bad. Like people who never sleep can quite literally go crazy, right? Mm -hmm. We need sleep to function. And there are a bunch of different easy things that you can do. Maybe some will be easier for others. But um, just to go into a few quick ones, some things that I started doing that really allowed me to take my sleep to the next level. I definitely sleep super well now. To think about where I used to be and how I sleep now is crazy. I don't take any medicine or any sleeping aids at all. I just made a lot of intentional lifestyle changes. So a few that I think are typically free and within most of our control. First of all, if you have a TV in your bedroom, I highly recommend you take it out. I really... (laughs) believe that unless like I know in college if you're younger if you're in college sometimes like that's the only option you have your bedroom is also your living room and (laughs) you need to have your tv in there and that's fine just be disciplined about you know how often you're watching tv in your bed maybe you can have a different chair that you watch it from maybe you're not watching it making sure you just don't watch it late through the night But our brain makes these associations, right? So the best thing you can start to do is to respect your sleep space. Try not to do work in your bed. Try not to sit in your bed watching YouTube movies. That It's going to confuse your body. I truly have experienced what it is like for my brain to know that when I hit my bed at night, like it means it's time to sleep. It's the only thing I do in my bed. I used to in college I used, and in high school, I used to do a lot of work in my bed. So I cut that habit out. I got a desk. <laughs> I do my work and my desk is in my room, but I do, I only do my work at my desk now. Um, another thing, we want to sleep in cold temperatures. 64 is the ideal temperature. If that's really, really cold or if you sleep pretty hot, you can slowly start to bring it down. But our bodies need to be cool, especially because most of us sleep with blankets. When we wake up in the morning, that is when our internal body temperature is going to be reaching its highest point. So that's another reason we why we want it to be cold in our room. Also for when we wake up as well, we're going to be really hot. If you wake up like super sweaty, 
and you are sleeping in a hot room, that those things could definitely be correlated. Another thing is make it as dark as possible in your room. My room does not get that dark, so I put a sleeping mask on. I never wake up with it on, but it definitely helps me (laughs) go to sleep when I put it on at night. Nighttime routine, you definitely want to have a winding down routine. You don't want to be watching necessarily super stimulating things on TV or reading super stimulating things or even thinking about them. I listened to an audiobook that talked about worrying and that we need to hold space for worrying. Mm. But if we don't let ourselves worry at any time throughout the day, then oftentimes the first moment we go to relax and we lay down, that's when our brain's going to start to worry. So literally it recommended scheduling in time to worry throughout the day so that you can avoid those kind of racing thoughts at night. And then finally, your breath work. So I think that learning and practicing Shavasana and yoga really helped me with my sleep. Learning how to not pay attention or to give all of your focus to any one thought and learning Mm -hmm. how to allow thoughts to kind of just be there as you lay is pretty much how you go to sleep. Like Mm -hmm. it's the ability to start to shut down, to slow your body down, come into stillness, focus on your breath. Maybe you do a meditation and then it's really just like your intent is to sleep And so therefore, any of those thoughts coming in and out, you can notice them, but you come back to your breath, you come back to your intention of rest. And I think that made a lot of sense to me when it came to like, yeah, Shavasana is just like five minutes, but this also definitely makes sense for calming your body down and getting it ready for an entire state of rest for a prolonged period of time as well. So Mm -hmm. those are kind of my quick tips for sleep. If you take care of your sleep, oh, the last thing is just trying to create consistency between when you go to sleep and when you wake up. So we want to get the proper amount of hours. It's different depending on your age, but, you know, generally we're somewhere between six and nine hours and then going to bed, waking up at the same time as often as possible is going to help regulate your circadian rhythm. It's going to help your overall health, your gut health. And again, yeah, your recovery, which is strongly tied to your gut health. So that kind of covers sleep and then stress and reducing stress and just monitoring stress goes more into the fight or flight response and your nervous system. So the most important tip I think I like to tell people is that your body does not know the difference between good and bad stress. Mm -hmm. So if you've spent the day kind of on high alert in fight or flight, or maybe it's just been a long week like that where you're just exerting a lot of, or you've had a lot of stress exerted onto you and you've been experiencing this kind of go, 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 go all week. Then that week doing a high intensity interval training exercise might not be the best thing for your body because Mm -hmm. even though you're consciously going into it, like this is going to be what I'm doing for stress relief. Like you have a positive mindset behind it. Your body isn't thinking the same thing. It's not like, oh yeah, this is some good stress. It just (laughs) knows that you were asked to like push yourself into this high intensity mode, go into fight or flight mode. Your nervous system's working hard. Your heart rate's elevated and 
you know, that might have been the last thing that I needed. Sometimes things like that cause burnout, cause sickness, cause injury. So when it comes to stress, it's important to have a variety of coping mechanisms, different things for different moments in your life. Sometimes exactly what you need is to go push yourself to the max and to just get out all of that angst, all of that stress. And sometimes it's the exact opposite. You need like just a good cry, maybe to meditate or something like super calming, whatever it is, reading a book, playing, doing a puzzle. Uh, I've been doing lots of puzzles lately. So uh, just knowing that you have to honor whatever your body needs in the moment, as well as your actual goals, you know, wanting to have a certain body or wanting to hit a certain weight in your training and that you have to see the bigger picture sometimes. Zoom out. Remember, your body doesn't know the difference. So honor that and don't overwork yourself because that is Pretty much, whether it's overworking yourself literally at your job or emotional work, trauma work, whatever it is, it, your body cannot tell the difference. So it will be affected nonetheless. And a lot of times with stress, we go into things like you can't sleep, your appetite's affected. And when those things are affected, that's when we start to develop issues. We start to develop um, food intolerances and bloating. Oh my God. Horrible, horrible things. Really anything with your gut that's not healthy sucks. And once you want it to avoid it at all costs. So honoring your sleep and honoring your stress, they're heavily connected and taking care of both will be a big step in the right direction on fostering a healthy gut. Of course, same with the exercise and nutrition as well. Yeah, beautifully said. I I fully agree with all of that. I remember when I was, I want to say it was my second year, maybe my third year. I don't even know. My, my I think my third year of college when I started experiencing that this crippling anxiety where I was to the point where sometimes I wasn't even able to go to class and leave my apartment because I was so anxious. And I finally went to the doctor about it who referred me to a psychiatrist who you know, of course, put me on some medication, but <laughs> she said something that has really, truly stuck with me. And I, I think that her, this comment resonated with me so heavily and I've carried it with me throughout. And that is to always protect the sleep. You know, it is <laughs> so important and sleep and stress management, stress management truly are like the golden ticket to not just a healthy life, but a quality life too. So definitely super important. And definitely, I think we'll have to have another episode on sleep in general because it's so important. And I know we both take our nighttime routines very, very seriously. So yeah, super important to find something that works for you when it comes to stress management and sleep. But remember that if you're not prioritizing those things, then more often than not, you're going to be contributing to the lack of health within yourself, whether that's your mental health or your gut health. So just something to think about if you're struggling with those things, definitely take a checklist of what am I prioritizing within my health? What am I not prioritizing? Maybe what can I do a little bit better this week or even over the next couple of weeks to try to lead myself into that direction of feeling good overall? So amazing. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, there's so much misinformation on the internet about gut health in particular. It can be really overwhelming to know where to start or what actually works. Uh, And of course, we need to preface this with the fact that everyone is different. But 
What have you found that really, really works for you that maybe, you know, isn't super profound in the public or maybe is something that we wouldn't really think about? Yeah, definitely. So I would say for one breath work, a hundred percent, like we talked about in our little trailer for this revamp of our podcast, getting back to basic breath. uh, It's all coming full circle. It's so, so vital to learn how to breathe. I know it sounds silly and simple, But I truly did not learn how to breathe properly and how to utilize different breath patterns in different situations, whether that be different forms of exercise, cardio, strength, hit, different meditations, different breathing for bedtime, for waking up, for getting through anxiety, all of those different things. I didn't learn. I didn't know a lick about any of it until I was what, 20 years old. So it might sound simple. It might sound cliche, but it's just the truth. You need to be intentional about your breathing. Even if you just start with as often as you can remember in a day, take a full breath. That's kind of where I started. Just like every, as often as I could remember, I would notice my breath and take a few rounds of really slow inhales and exhales in through the nose out through the mouth. And if your gut health, especially in particular, again, we're all different, but if you find that some of this has resonated with you, that you're living in a very fight or flight mode often, and that there's a lot of stress, potentially a lot of trauma that's unprocessed, that utilizing your breath is going to help with so much, whether it's anxiety-based, whether it's trauma-based, it's going to help you learn how to regulate your nervous system and therefore your overall sense of being. And I definitely, as I'm talking through all of this, I'll have to do another episode now that I've finished my book on OCD. I just learned so much kind of about the brain and the brain and the gut axis. But mm-hmm. essentially, like we said, they're connected. So when you learn how to regulate your nervous system and your brain and how you react to different scenarios and different stressors, it's going to in turn allow you to have a healthier gut overall and to not have these different things like heartburn, uh, being nauseous, vomiting, having indigestion, bloating, and just overall inflammation and pain, they will start to alleviate. I feel like even to this day, I sound, I'm like, I sound crazy because I'm like, just breathe and it'll all go away. (laughs) And so again, like everyone is different. This is one of the many things I started to do. Outside of that, I allowed myself to exercise in a way that my body needed. So I wasn't just doing intense workouts all the time. I started doing yoga, all different types of yoga. I started doing Pilates. I started doing, I started walking and doing some like cardio And I had to give my body time to heal. My gut was completely destroyed. So I can get into this next, but I needed, I to now to this day, I can work out really hard. I can eat whatever I want, but I did have to allow space for my gut health to heal, for the lining of my gut to heal, and for that process to occur. It probably took about a year. So Mm -hmm. it took a decent amount of time, but you know, not an extended amount of time. So also learning to love my body and love myself through whatever 
movement I needed that day or that week. So I had to also learn how to let go of control of that like need of that desire to have to, you know, only be happy if I'm doing these workouts that look a certain way. That took some time as well, but absolutely worth it. And I still train that way to this day. Another thing that I did, like I just talked about was honor, start to really take my sleep seriously. I started implementing those practices. And so that kind of covered exercise that covered sleep. And the breath was mostly tied to stress management and coping. I also started taking a deeper dive into myself, into self-awareness, into learning about what was stressing me out so much and why and what I needed to do about it. Did I need to find some resolution? Is this something I had to accept there was no resolution for? Did I need to avoid something or cut something from my life altogether? So a lot of deep personal work. And again, something that takes time, something that's heavy, something that you don't need to be asking yourself to do at, at all the time, 24-7. You know, life is still there to be lived, to be enjoyed, and it doesn't need to be heavy all the time. So mm-hmm. accepting that it's a journey, it's going to take time, you got to ebb and flow through it, and that there's no judgment behind what comes up. A big part of moving forward and growing is you've got to release the judgment or the guilt that you might attach to whatever arises through this journey, which for me, because it was so tied to stress and past experiences, there was a lot of definite shame, guilt, just pain tied to that journey. So, you know, you know, not pretending that it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows either, really mm-hmm. just accepting and loving yourself having a good support system. My friends were absolutely incredible through this journey. So, and then if you do need a doctor for any part of this journey, not settling for someone who's not going to take you seriously or hold space for you, you deserve someone who makes you feel like you have autonomy in your own health because that is a given. So don't best you can like keep searching ask your friends, get on Facebook, find groups, like you will find someone that is within your area, within your budget, and who is a good fit for you. There's so many people out there, and especially now, more and more people who are taking a more holistic approach to gut health and our mental health mm-hmm. as well. I'm trying to think. I feel like that is kind of everything. I Oh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, I didn't necessarily – do anything diet wise. I definitely cleaned up my diet in college. I ate like shit. And so (laughs) I started eating. I wouldn't even say like, you know, I ate so well. It was just like anything was better than what I was doing. So (laughs) I stopped eating fast food all the time and just like highly processed foods and started cooking more, started eating better. And then I got into the world of supplements. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not telling anyone to take supplements. This is just my story, but I took a series of supplements and vitamins. I did the greens and the reds for a bit until as I was getting better at getting them through whole foods, I supplemented those. And then I did a supplement that was to help heal the lining of my gut. So I think a common thing that people do when they have gut health is to just get like a digestive enzyme supplement Mm -hmm. or 
kind of jump into something that might actually cause more harm than good. So I did eventually do digestive enzymes, but I had to first heal my gut in general. So I learned that, you know, if you take those digestive enzymes or kind of an intense um, supplement that's for digesting and metabolizing when your gut health or the lining of your walls is disrupted and there's like uh, some issues with your pH and your uh, acidic levels of your gut, Mm -hmm. that that can actually just cause more harm. So I forget exactly what it was called, but I took a supplement designed to soothe and heal and just, yeah, overall increase the health of my gut lining. Then I did the enzyme and I just kind of supplemented pretty heavily for a bit in terms of health supplements. So more vitamins and minerals instead of thinking like uh, protein powders and creatine or performance Mm -hmm. supplements. And that definitely, definitely went a long way. And it's like, again, supplements are there to close nutritional gaps. They're not meant to be a forever fix or to be meal replacements. So I no longer supplement like that. I have a few Hilma products, which I love that are for like every now and then if I eat a lot of carbs or I'm just feeling a little icky, maybe it's the time of the month where it's like a plant-based natural vitamin that helps just digest a little smoother. But outside of that, I no longer supplement specifically for my gut, although it was a huge help in the beginning of my Mm -hmm. journey to just, my metabolism was destroyed. It was so, so slow that I really did need some extra assistance mm-hmm. when it came to getting it back to normal. So that would, I, I would say that was the full spectrum of kind of the journey to getting to where I am today. Amazing, Shane. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and more about your story with us. For sure. And just to leave us with the last thought Always remember that you know your body, to trust your body, a big part of dealing with stress-related gut health issues is the journey of learning to trust and feel safe in your body. So I'm not a doctor. Kelsey's not a doctor. Everyone's journey is going to be absolutely unique to their own. I wanted to hold space for the fact that, at least in my personal experience, I know, including myself, of course, so many people that are being overworked, overstressed, over-traumatized, and overrun to the point of getting sick, and that there is hope and that there is a solution that might need to be super unique to you, but it's worth pursuing. I truthfully hit many low points throughout this journey. And to say that today I no longer experience food intolerance, I no longer go to the hospital because I'm in so much pain, my heartburn is so bad that I can't keep anything down or go to the bathroom or that I'm throwing up. Literally, I would call them flare-ups. I have not had a flare-up in God knows how long now. It's almost to the point where I don't even associate with that past part of my life and of myself. So if you are experiencing discomfort, if you're experiencing constant bloating, constant pain, remember that is not supposed to be 
how you feel, that there is a higher quality of health and well-being and life out there for you. And so whether your solution is going a holistic route, needing to do these tests and surgery, finding medicine, trust your gut, LOL, and you know, take charge and take control of these things that we talked about that are within your grasp. So having this understanding of the fact that yes, your gut, stress, sleep, diet, mindset, emotional and mental well-being, they're interconnected and something that each of us could do at any point in our journey is to honor our sleep, to honor our stress, to honor our food and our overall gut health. So no matter where you're starting, whether you need a supplement, whether you just need to start eating more whole foods or whether you need to you know, start talking to a therapist or get an x-ray done, the place to start is looking inward. What are your lifestyle choices? What can you start improving right now while you begin to tackle this journey? Maybe you're finding a doctor, a holistic doctor, if you kind of like this storyline of you know, looking inward and changing your own lifestyle choices before turning to medicine, they're out there. Find them or do your own research like I did. I got really educated on myself and what was going on and I definitely turn for help from time to time when I need it. But it's within all of us to take back control of our gut health, of our stress control and, you know, surviving these really difficult times. For me, it was college. For you, it might be a different point in your life, but just going for it, feeling empowered to educate yourself, to take charge, and to know that there are people out there that will see you and respect the work you're putting in to healing. And again, you should not be living with constant gut pain, digestive health issues. So there is a solution. You've just got to find the right size fit for you. So as a reminder, my friends, you can find us on Instagram at back to the letter two basic breath with two underscores. Make sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode and we'll see you next time.